Amen. What a great oldie of the church. Praise God. Pray with me. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that we can come together and worship and praise you, that we can open your word now and study to see what you would have for us, your people. Lord, we pray that as we open our Bibles, we ask that you'd open up our hearts, our minds, understanding. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would do the teaching, that today you would make application of your word to our life, Father, so that we could better serve you. For it's in your precious name we pray these things, and together we all would say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Happy New Year's! How many of you made a resolution to lose weight? That's the number one resolution every year. You know, it's funny, I'm getting older, not that old, but uh, I'm losing my sight, I'm losing my hearing, I'm losing my hair, but I'm not losing weight. It's not fair. Just not fair. I'll tell you. Praise God. I told you last week. Now, go ahead and open your Bibles. We're studying our way through the Word of God. We're in the Old Testament book of 2 Kings up to chapter 14. Now, 2 Kings chapters 15, 16, and 17 go very fast, but we're in 14. So, a couple of you got it. Go ahead and, and find and locate, if you would, please, 2 Chronicles chapter 25. Go ahead and find that. We're going to be looking at that today. We find some information uh, that help us uh, in our study in, in 2 Kings 14, we will find recorded in 2 Chronicles 25. You will recall that First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles are parallel passages. They're just written from different aspects. First and Second Kings is written in a historical uh, setting that uh, we're studying. And in the Chronicles, we see more of a spiritual setting. We see uh, more spiritual aspects of it. That's why we have really two accounts of, of the same thing in a lot of the places. So while you're looking those up and marking them, I just want to remind you, I made mention of this last week, and I just want to briefly make mention of it today. And that is sort of my key verses of Scripture for this year, going into this year, and my personal study, my personal meditation, seeking God, uh, was found in Esther chapter 4, the last portion of verse 14, where Esther's uncle is talking to her and she finds herself it's a great study in fact we're going to i think in this year get to the book of of esther uh i i truly believe that i'm not making a joke uh it might be the end of the year but i think we'll get there anyway she finds herself in this pagan palace and an opportunity to do some great great things that'll save the nation and it'll be scary for her and she's not sure and her uncle uncle (laughs) her uncle tells her Yet who knows whether you have come to this kingdom for such a time as this. Friends, God has us where He wants us for such a time as this. We see that the sons of Issachar are spoken highly of in the Old Testament for one reason, and that reason is because they understood the times. We see that the Magi, when they come to see the the child Jesus, one of the things that made the wise men wise was that they recognized the times. They recognized the seasons. How many of you know just watching our world, watching our news, seeing what's going on in the world, we are in a very unique and special time in the history and in God's calendar. Would you agree with that? And God has us there. How many of you are like me and think, wouldn't it have been neat to, well, I don't think this because I like air conditioning, but how many of you think, wouldn't it have been neat to live in the times of Jesus? We romanticize it in the movies and the Bibles. They didn't have electricity. They didn't have plumbing. Right? They didn't have Nikes to wear when they're walking and cars to drive. 
Uh, but God has us where He wants us for such a time as this. In the location He wants us. So this year, let it be our goal. She goes on to say in verse 16, she says to her uncle after he tells her this, she, she says, and so I will go to the king. I'm going to do something that's, that's dangerous and potentially uh, hazardous to me. She goes, I'll go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to do what God has asked me to do. Why he's put me here for the purpose he's put me here. And I'm going to trust God for that. So my goal and my goal for you this year is that uh, it's year 2020. My goal is that our spiritual eyesights will be 2020. We'll clearly see God's purpose, God's plan, and do what he wants us to do. Does that sound good? Oh, we might as well go home. <laughs> Just kidding. You're not that lucky. You got your Bibles open to 2 Kings 14? We're studying this. We understand that in this portion of Scripture, the, the writers of the Scripture are going back and forth between the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. And we're studying the kings, the things that they're doing, the mistakes they're making, the good things that, the good decisions that they're making. And now we, we're moving into chapter 14 and we're going into the nation of Judah. So it says in verse 1, In the second year of Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, Jehoahaz king of Israel, Amaziah, the son of Joash. Now, these are not the same guy. They're two different Joashes. One of them is Israel. One of them is Judah. Two kings with the same name. Uh, he became king. Verse 2, now it gets into where our study is today. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehadiah of Jerusalem. Now notice verse 3, if you would, please. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, yet not like his father David. He did everything as his father Joash had done. What's the difference between his great-great-great-great-great-grandfather David and his father Joash? Well, we find out the reason, the difference, in 2 Chronicles 25.2. Don't turn there yet. I have this one for the overhead. It says this, uh, 2 Chronicles 25. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. Okay? David, we're told in the Bible, had a, a, a heart after God's own heart, right? Joash, his father, he had a heart for God as long as God fit his mold. See, he was more concerned about what the people thought, what would benefit him as the king, than what God wanted. And how many of you know a lot of people, they're pretty cool with God as long as God doesn't get them out of their comfort zone, right? See, we need to be committed like David. Our heart needs to be a heart after God's own heart. Not just to please ourselves, not just to please other people. Does that make sense? So he was a good king. He did what God wanted in, in a lot of aspects as long as it was convenient and comfortable for him. But he wasn't dedicated to God even when things got tough. Does God ever lead you through something and you don't understand it? The Apostle Peter says, don't think it weird when fiery trials come to test your faith. They'll come. But you stay focused, that 2020 focus, on God, and you'll get through it. Well, let's, let's keep going here. He says in verse 4, However, the high places, oh, here's where we see trouble happening. However, the high places were not taken away, and the people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. We remember from our study, if you're just joining our study, let me give you a bring up to where we are. The high places were 
pagan temples, pagan places, mostly outdoors, where people would worship pagan gods. What these kings did was they came and they got rid of, of pagan worship, but the places were beautiful. They were orchards, they were on the mountains, and everything was nice. They said, this is so nice, we'll just worship Jehovah here. And they started doing that. However, God told them, you're only to worship me in the temple in Jerusalem. Why was that? Well, the Holy of Holies was there. The presence of God was there. The holy place was there. That's where the brazen altar were. So they would go to these high places, and they would go through their, their religious rituals. And at the beginning, they were very sincere. But we see in our study that very slowly they got away from true worship of Jehovah and they started worshiping the pagan deities, right? Now, how many of you see things kind of similar to that in the modern churches? We start getting away from, from, from pure worship of God and a lot of churches, you know, they're going after fads, they're going after gimmicks to try to fill seats. And they're so far from worshiping God. I got a great scripture for you out of the book of Jeremiah. Put that up there if you would, please. And I got this out of the NEV translation because when I get to the word that they still use that the new translations don't use, it'll make more sense. Look what Jeremiah says. And the Lord said to his people, God is talking to his people. He says, stand in the way and see. And check out this. And ask for the ancient ways of God where the good way is and walk in it then you will find rest for your souls and then and they said we will not follow it that word ancient if you're reading a, a, a King James New King James or one of those translations it says the old paths now this word ancient in the Hebrew is a very special word it means more than just a, a, a footpath and a trail it means a very sacred travel. A very sacred thing. We see in the Proverbs, God tells us very specifically, don't move the ancient boundaries of a land. That's a spiritual purpose too. You don't start messing with the things of God and changing it to try to benefit yourself. Make sense? And so God, the people were so far away from God that God always brings up a prophet. God always brings up a uh, a spokesman for God, a man of God, or a woman of God, to bring the people back. We're going to see it in our text. And here, God is telling the people, you don't need the new fads. You don't need crazy ideas. That, that The church isn't to bend to the culture. The culture is to come to God. And God says, seek, ask for, and seek the ancient ways of God. That's the good way. That's what you're to work in. That's where you'll find the rest. See, we seek fulfillment. We seek pleasure. We seek purpose in our life and so many things. And friends, it's all found in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all found in Jesus. But we've got to get back on the ancient path, right? What is the ancient path? What, what's the model for church? It's found in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Continue in in the doctrine, what does that mean? It means study the Word of God. Why do we do what we do? We study the Word of God. Communion, it mentions in that verse. Worship in that verse and breaking of bread. That's the ancient path. That's, that's the Bible way. 
right? And then God adds to it. God does it all. Isn't that so cool? Well, let's keep going here. Uh, he says in verse, verse 4, again, they didn't do away with that, and this will lead up to some problems. Verse 5 says, Now it happened as soon as the kingdom was established in his hand, he, he, you know, his, his dad's gone, now he's got everything going. It says, He executed his servants who murdered his father, the king. We saw that happen in chapter 12, right? Uh, we find out why they did that. Uh, the reason they did that was because his heart was turned from God and he started making things bad for the people. So his, his top guys executed him while he was sleeping. Well, now his son is, is going to correct that. He has them um, uh, exterminated. Verse 6, he says, But the children of the murderers he did not execute according to what was written in the book of the law of Moses. And now they quote for us Deuteronomy 24, 16. says, in which the Lord commanded, saying, Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall children be put to death for their fathers. But a person shall be put to death for his own sin. Again, that's a quote of Deuteronomy 24, 16. Put that on the overhead, please. It says right there. Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall children be put to death for their fathers. A person shall be put to death for his own sin. The entire 18th chapter of the book of Ezekiel covers uh, the personal responsibility of sin now why do I bring that up why do I emphasize this we'll put on the overhead for me please uh, Andrew 2nd Corinthians 5 11 very important friends that we all understand this we're told there that for we who are in this tent grown that's not the one I wanted oh 5 11 do you have that one let me read that to you 2 Corinthians 5.11. <laughs> and I started reading it like this. Is it. 2 Corinthians 5.11 says this. A staggering, staggering verse says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known to your... That's not the one I wanted either. Let me try 1 Corinthians. You might just have to take my word for this. That was a good scripture. You got to admit that. Ah, no, that's not it either. <laughs> Let me tell you what I was going to say. <laughs> and this guy's teaching. Somewhere, somewhere, I believe in Second Corinthians. It says that we will all, each individually, stand before the Lord and give an account for our own life. The purpose of all what I was saying there was, was you're not going to be able to blame someone else. You're not going to be able to, to, to get in heaven off of someone else's faith. Friends, it's individual. And salvation is individual. Isn't that pretty awesome? So the... What? I was one verse off. <laughs> one verse off. I knew it was in the Bible. You guys laugh, look at my notes and you wonder why I get confused. I got highlights and fingers pointing and all that kind of stuff. Ancient Hebrew it is. Here's the point I was trying to make. The second point I was trying to make this. It was common custom in that day to execute the entire family of a guilty person. 
That would send a message not to mess around, right? But God says you can't do that. Only the individual is responsible for their own sin, right? Here's the point that I wanted to make. Uh, not all accepted practices are biblical practices. Not all accepted practices are biblical practices. We have a lot of accepted practices in our churches today that are not biblical. Whether that, that being, uh, being active in, in lifestyles or sins or whatever, and they're being accepted, but they're not biblical. One another reason we are very close students of the Word of God. Amen? So, he didn't put him to death, but look what he does in verse 7. Uh, he goes to war and says, And he killed 10,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt, and he took Selah by war. Selah is also known as Petra, the rock city. Very important place. And he changed its name from Selah to Jachnil, which means God destroys to this day. And so, uh, we know that. Now, stop there, and here's where we need to turn to Second Chronicles 25. Because between the events of verse 7 and the events of verse 8 in 2 Kings 14, we have an important uh, exchange that's recorded in 2 Chronicles 25. So 2 Chronicles 25. Anyone there? Man, this is some powerful stuff. We're going to start reading. Uh, Verses 1 through uh, 4 tells us the, the things we just read. So we'll start reading at verse 5. If you guys are there, join with me. Verse 5. Moreover, Amaziah gathered Judah together and set over them captains of thousands and captains of hundreds according to their father's house throughout all Judah and Benjamin. And he numbered them from 20 years old and above. And he found them to, found them to be 300,000 choice men able to go to war who could handle spear and shield. So here he's got a, a standing army of 300,000. That's a big army for that day. They're all skilled fighters and uh, ready to go to battle. But however, he wasn't satisfied with what God provided. Look what he does in verse 6. He also hired 100,000 mighty men of valor from Israel for 100 talents of silver, almost five tons of silver, he goes and he hires another 100,000 mercenaries from Israel just to kind of secure his forces. And it, the, the lesson here is his faith and his trust was in numbers and in soldiers, not in the Lord. Look what happens in verse 7. But a man of God, we don't know his name, but how many of you are thankful for men who are willing to, to speak up even when it could be dangerous for him, We need to be like that. Here comes a man of God and says to him, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you. Notice this, underline this. For the Lord is not with Israel. What do you mean the Lord's not with Israel? Israel's God's people. They were living in sin and rebellion. They were resisting God. They were worshiping pagan gods. So God says, you don't want me? Okay. Now, they're Israel, the people of God, and God says, I'm not with them. Do you think there might be any religious organizations that call themselves the people of God, people of Jesus, but God's not with them? I think that could still happen today. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? And so, 
the man of God says, God's not with them, nor is he with any of the children of Ephraim. That's verse 7. And so, uh, for the overhead, please, I know I got this one right. Psalm 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses. In other words, he's trusting in, in a man made army, what, what we can do. And this is what we're putting our trust in. Today, we could say something like this Some trust in money, some trust in, in their own selves, their own abilities. But we will remember, some translations say, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. It's not the size of the army, friends. It's the size of our God. Right? And we win. Okay? That's why David could run after the giant. He knew God. Saul was trusting in an army. David was trusting in his God. So here this, this king is like, well, I don't know, I need more people. But the, the, the man of God says, don't do it. God's not with them. So look at verse 8. He says, but if you go, be gone. Be strong in battle. Even so, God shall make you to fall before the enemy, for God has power to help and to overthrow. God has given you the word to not take him. But if you choose to, elect to ignore the word of God and take him anyway, good luck. You're fighting on your own. And guess what? God's going to make you fail. Here's a little side observation, but it's very important for us friends to understand and to realize that God not only gives victories, but he also gives failures. And when he gives failures, they're always for the purpose to bring us to him. To give us a chance to examine our life and return to him. That's how good and loving our God is. Well, Amaziah, he, he, he takes the word. He's, he's kind of like us because look what he says in verse 9. Well, he says to the man of God, well, what about all the money? They're pretty typical people today, huh? They're worried about the cost of, of obedience. Well, well, what about what I've invested already? Friends, with a very sincere and loving heart, please let me say this. If, if for whatever reason you've made a bad or dumb decision and God is working with you to correct it and to bring you out of this and to stop you from making further problems, Please hear me out here. Take your lumps and go on. Swear to your own hurt and continue forward with God because the verse doesn't stop there. Look what it says. He says, what about, what about the hundred talents of silver that I've given to the troops of Israel? And look what the man of God says. The Lord is able to give you much more than this. Yeah, you made a mistake and it looks like you, you lost your money, but God can do a lot better. You know, there are people today who, who say, I can't tithe, I can't give to the church. It, it, it costs me too much. Do you realize that according to Malachi 3, verses 8 through 11, 11 you're putting yourself under a curse? <laughs> you can't afford to be obedient because God can give much more than this. Whether it's time, whether it's service, whether it's money, whatever it is, Friends, it's worth the investment to God, right? Let's keep going, verse 10. I'm almost out of time, but I'm almost out of chapter, so I think we're okay. Verse 10, so Amaziah discharged the troops that had come to him from Ephraim to go back home. Therefore, 
their anger was greatly aroused against Judah, and they returned home in great anger. Now, the question is, why would they be mad? They don't have to fight. Well, here's why they'd be mad. They were depending upon the spoils of war. You see, the king of Israel got the money. They had, they had their soldiers' um, wages, but they depended upon the spoils of war to, to compensate and to make up for the wages, right? And so uh, they're mad they don't get to fight. They don't get an opportunity to, to, uh, to do this. So verse 11, Then Amaziah strengthened himself, and leading his people, he went to the Valley of Salt, and he killed 10,000 of the people of Seir. And again, this is also known as Petra. Also the children of Judah took captive 10,000 alive, brought them to the top of the rock, and cast them from the top of the rock so that they were dashed in pieces. Now this is a pretty brutal thing. But this is what they did in that day to speak volumes to other nations. To say, don't mess with us. Right? Uh, in our own country, we saw that, that just this week our president took some bold, needed moves. But it told the world, don't be messing with us. Right? Don't mess with us. And so that's what was done there. Verse 13, But as the soldiers of the army which Amaziah had discharged, so that they would not go into the battle, they raided the cities of Judah from Samaria to beth Haran. They killed 3,000 and took them and took much spoil. These guys are mad because they couldn't participate in war. So what they do now is, instead of fighting for Judah, they attack Judah. A spiritual principle here, friends. When we align ourselves with people we shouldn't align ourselves with, they will always come back to haunt us. The Bible's not just wanting you to not have fun when it says bad company corrupts good morals. The Bible tells us that because bad company corrupts good morals. Right? And so we're not to align ourselves with people that God's not aligned with. The man of God says, I'm not with Israel. And that's what people that are without God act like. Isn't it amazing how cruel humans can be? We think nothing of saving eagles, and we should, but we think nothing of, of killing the unborn. Now, I love animals. I eat steak three times a week. I'm an animal person. You guys get me? Human life is more valuable than, than a cow. I love cows, right? You guys tracking with me here? Anyway, let's keep going because uh, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> Verse 14. Now it was so after Amaziah came from the slaughter of the Edomites, just when you think a guy can't get any dumber. God gives them this great victory, teaching them a lesson about you don't need to align yourself with people who are not the people of God. You just need to trust God. Look what he does. And he brought the gods of the people of Seir, set them up to be his gods, and bowed down before them and burned incense to them. You guys get the picture? He just defeats these people with the help and assistance of his God, but instead of giving thanks and glorifying his God and giving thanks and honor to Jehovah, 
He takes the defeated gods, takes them home, and he starts bowing down to them and burning incense to them. Burning incense is a picture of praying, right? And he's honoring these, <laughs> these gods. How, you know, how dumb do you got to be to keep breathing? It's, it's Verse 15, Therefore the anger of the Lord was aroused against Amaziah. Friends, God's a jealous God, and he don't want you worshiping false gods. But our God is a good God. And look what he does. God sent a prophet to him. God always sends his word before he sends his chastisement. God always gives us an opportunity to repent. God always gives opportunity because he loves us so much to make things right. So he sends a prophet who said to him, Why have you sought the gods of the people? which could not rescue their own people and from your own hand. Well, why are you doing this? What sense does this make? Verse 16. And so it was, as he talked with him, as the prophet is, is bringing him warning, is bringing him direction, is bringing the word of, of God to him, the king reacts like a lot of people today reacts. The king said to him, Have we made you the king's counselor? You ever have someone you share Jesus with and they say, you, who made you my judge? You can't judge me. This will get them. When someone says, only God can judge me, tell them, that should scare you, dude. That should make you very nervous. I'm trying to help you out here, right? But this guy, in a smart out way, says, yeah, who made you the king's counselor? Why should I listen to you? Well, God sent me. That's my authority, is the word of God, right? Uh, so the king says, you better shut up right now. Why should you be killed? You keep talking and bringing conviction on me, I'll just kill you. You ever notice how this is the same mindset of, of the world? We see him physically killing Christians in other countries. We see people in our country doing all they can to silence the true word of God. Why should you be killed? So the prophet said, okay. He ceased. And he said, but you got to know this. You don't want to hear the preaching? Okay, but you got to know this. I know, that the, I know that God is determined to destroy you because you have done this and you've not heeded my advice. The prophet says, I'll be quiet, but you got to know something. This ain't going to end good for you. Rejecting God is not going to bode well. Turn with me back to 2 Kings 14. We're going to finish up here. This will go very quick, I promise. And, and I know we're running a little bit late. We tend to do that on communion Sundays uh, just because we had communion. But this is just such a good story. You guys enjoying this? This is something, huh? Well, let's finish up here. So back to our, our text in, in 2 Kings 14. We're at verse 8. Everything we just read took place between verse 7 that we read and verse 8 that we're about to read. So verse 8 says, Then Amaziah, remember he, he's had his big victory in, in Seir here, and he's, he's got all this stuff, and the prophet warned him, but he's gotten very uh, big head and think he's something. It says in verse 8, Then Amaziah sent messengers to Jehoahash, the son of Jehoahaz, the, the son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, Come, let us face one another in battle. Now he's mad because the soldiers 
torched a few of his cities and killed 3,000 of his people and, and ripped them off. That would make you mad, right? I mean, it, it's, it's fair to be upset, but instead of going to God and confessing, you know, it's because I didn't seek you in the first place, this is the result of it, he just decides, I'm going to take care of this myself. So he challenges the king of Israel to war. Look at verse 9. And Jehoahash, king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, now he tells him this great little story. He says, the thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, give your daughter to my son as wife. And a wild beast that was in Lebanon passed by and trampled the thistle. This is a story. The thistle was just a little sticker bush that was useless. No one even wanted them around, right? And the, the cedars of Lebanon were famous for being these magnificent trees, right? And he's saying, here's this worthless thorn bush wants to be equal and be part of the majestic cedar trees. And it ain't going to happen. In fact, a cow can walk by, step on, and ruin and kill a, a thistle bush. But a cow can't rub up against a giant cedar tree and knock it over. And so he, he says, you're, you're picking a fight you can't win. You're picking a fight you're not supposed to be fighting. Look at verse 10. It says, for you indeed defeated Edom, and your heart has lifted you up. Glory in that. Enjoy that victory. And stay home. <laughs> Don't open yourself up to something that you're going to regret. For why should you meddle with trouble so that you fall, you and Judah with you? Friends, a lot of times we as Christians, we experience a little victory in our life. We get feeling a little cocky. I'm a super saint. And we start picking spiritual battles that we're not ready to fight yet. Right? We get a little victory. So now we think we can handle a temptation. And that temptation handles us. Preaching to anybody other than me today? Huh? Don't point at your husband. We know. But Amaziah would not heed. He wouldn't listen. Therefore, Jehoash, king of Israel, went out. So he and Amaziah, king of Judah, faced one another at Beth Shemesh, which belongs to Judah. Now, five things as we close up here that we're going to see in this, this, this battle, this, this result of this bad decision. The first thing we're going to see is in verse 12, and that is that obviously he lost the battle. Look, verse 12. And Judah was defeated by Israel. And every man fled to his tent. Now, flee, fleeing to your tent was a form of embarrassment and an act of cowardice. They ran away from the battle. So they were defeated. The second thing we see is in verse 13. That was that Amaziah himself was captured. Check it out. And Jehoash, king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of, of Judah. Friends, once again, Please, it's with all the sincerity of my heart is this, that if, if God has given you a victory over something, I would see this over and over and over again when I helped Pastor Walt retreat church on the street. You know, people would, would get a victory over an, an addiction or an activity or something like that, and they'd walk in victory for a few months and everything's go cool, and then they, they thought they could handle it on their own next thing you know they were captured again right and please 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 be careful 
Don't pick a, a battle you're not ready to fight yet. Now he's, now he's captured and, and he's in bondage and in change. And, and how many of you know sin, sin will do that to us? Look at Samson. Anyway, the next thing. Oh, first, I know this one's right, but I'm not going to put it on the overhead. First Corinthians 10, 12, Paul tells us, Therefore let him who stands, therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed unless he fall. Be very, very careful. Well, the third thing we see here is uh, they lost the battle. He was captured. The first thing we, the third thing we see is that the walls were broken down. Check this out. This is still in verse 13. He went out to Jerusalem and he broke down the wall of Jerusalem. Walls, remember, uh, were a defense. To have broken walls was a disgrace and left the city defenseless. Why is it that it's the enemies of our nation are fighting so badly for us not to have walls as a nation? Because walls work. Clay, you said you weren't going to get political. Uh, it's in the Bible. We, we need walls. You can quote me if you want. Broke down the walls. Knocked down their defenses. Now they, now they can't defend themselves. And not only that, from the gate of Ephraim to the corner gate, 400 cubits. In losing their wall, they lost the gates. What, what, what's so important about the gates? Well, gates were a sign of authority and government. Remember, Samson ripped off the city's gates and, and, and hauled them uphill. It's not just because the gate was the closest thing. It made a statement. Right? And... How many of you know bad leadership comes bad? Oh, I'm not going there. Lost their wall, lost their gate. But they're not over. There's a fourth thing, and here's what's very, very dangerous. Fourth thing we see in verse 14, and that is that our worship diminishes. Check out verse 14. So he took all the gold and silver, all the articles that were found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house, Everything necessary to, to worship God in Jerusalem from the temple, they've stolen. Makes it hard to, to give their offerings and sacrifices without their equipment. When we find ourselves in bondage because of sin, our worship diminishes. Can I give you guys a little hint? If you're struggling with something, if you're kind of in a dark time, if, if you're uneasy, don't have peace and all that stuff, the worst thing you can do, Christian, is stop going to church. Stop reading your Bible. Stop worshiping God. Stop serving. It's the worst thing you can do. But not only that, it destroys freedom. They were taken hostage. Check it out. It says, and hostages, they took hostages, and they returned to Samaria. Now they're taking the people of Jerusalem, of God's house, and taking them to a foreign place where they're not supposed to be. Sin will do that to you. It's been rightfully said that sin will cost you more than you want to spend, take you farther than you want to go, and keep you longer than you want to stay. But friends, the good news to all those five situations is not found in a thing. It's found in a person, and that is Jesus Christ. 
Well, let's read this and, and finish up here. Five minutes, we're out. It says, verse 15, Now the rest of the acts of Jehoshaphat, which he did, his might, how he fought against Amaziah, king of Judah, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? They are. We just read some of them. So Jehoash rested with his fathers and was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. Not with the kings of Judah where he's supposed to. Why? Because he's a captive. Why is he captive? Because he rejected God. And that's where it got him. Then Jeroboam, his son, reigned in his place. Verse 17, Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived 15 years after the death of Jehoash. Jehoahash, the son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel. Now the rest of the acts of Amaziah, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And they formed a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem. And he fled to Lachish, and they sent after him to Lachish, and they killed him there. Second Chronicles 25, 27 tells us the reason they formed this conspiracy against this new king was because he turned from God. God brought about a revival, was fixing the place up, was restoring everything. He was trying to bring it back, <laughs> back down. So they killed him. Oh, I had that? Oh. After that time, Amaziah turned away from following the Lord. They made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem so that he fled, but they sent after him to Lachish and killed him there. Oh, that's the same thing. Anyway, the next verse, verse eight, uh, 28, says it's because he turned from God. Anyway, let's finish this up. Uh, verse 21, And all the people of, Ju of Judah took Amaziah, a.k.a. Uzziah, very important, we'll learn about him, who was 16 years old, made him king instead of his father Amaziah. He built Elath and he restored it to Judah after the kings rested with his fathers. We're going to stop there because that's a good stopping spot. I'm going to end this study by saying this. None of this stuff that happened to Amaziah had to happen. But it did happen because he was presumptuous, he thought he could do it himself, and he thought he didn't need God. And he brought all this on himself. Well, did you guys learn anything today? Cool. Let's stand, pray. Worship team, join me up here, please. Ladies, don't forget your study continues tonight here in the sanctuary. Fellas, our, our new men's study starts next Sunday night at 6 o'clock. Uh, you do not need a workbook, but if you want a workbook, please uh, put your name on the list back there just so I make sure I have enough ordered. Again, if you want to be part of the study without a workbook, you don't need to sign it. That's simply to order the books, but we encourage everyone to be part of it. Once again, this Saturday is the men's study. This week, we go back to our regular... Your guys' internal calendar off like mine these last two weeks? I didn't know what day it was and everything... Everything goes back on track this week. We've got our Tuesday night prayer. We've got Wednesday night Bible study. Everything's back on track now. Okay. Having said all this, what we're doing is after our Bible study, we have a time of altar time. Worship team's going to play a song, and we're going to give you an opportunity to pray, give you an opportunity to respond to God speaking of your heart. We covered a lot of points today. It was a Long study. I know I'm keeping you, you late, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blame Gilbert because he did communion. <laughs> Friends, maybe today you recognize in this story that you know, maybe I'm 
kind of like this Amaziah. I, I want the blessings and I want the good things of God, but I don't really want to be 100% committed to Him. I want God to bless what I'm doing. I don't want Him to tell me what to do. Make sense? A lot of us are like that. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Whether it be through the praise, whether it be through communion, whether it be through the study of the Word, you recognize it today. You know, I, 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 I'm battling against God and I need to get on God's side. I see that one day I will have to stand before God and I can't do it on my own. God has given us His Son, Jesus, to take care of that for us. Maybe you want to learn more about that and make Jesus your Savior today. Maybe you're needing, maybe you recognize it because of a bad decision you made or result of a decision someone else made. Maybe you find yourself captive in a place you don't want to be, enslaved to a sin that you don't want to be enslaved to. Today, God will break that chain and set you free. Maybe you're going through something that I never talked about today and the Holy Spirit, in spite of me, is dealing with your heart. But today and now is the time to take care of it. So I'm simply going to say a prayer. And as soon as I say amen, the worship team is going to lead us in a song. Kelly's going to join me up front. Gilbert's going to join me up front. I don't know if Andrew's going to be able to. If he is, he will. Uh, But we're going to be here to pray. We give you the opportunity to do that. Once that's over, we'll then dismiss in the congregation of prayer. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to study your word. Lord, as we study these kings of the Old Testament, Lord, may they not just be interesting stories that we read about, but may they truly be lessons for our life. Father, as always, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would continue this lesson in each and every one of us individually. As we reread these scriptures and as we meditate upon them, Lord, would you speak to our hearts and make a personal application to each and every one of us. Father, today I want to pray that if there's anyone here today who finds themselves in bondage, would you, would you break the chains that are holding them? Lord, today would you give peace to the hurting, comfort, your love. And as always, we give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship God in song. The altars are open. If you need prayer, we invite you to come forward. Again, in just a couple moments, we'll, we'll be dismissing. God bless you. Sing, sing, sing.